So for, for the sake of, of tonight's series, we're preaching on relationship. Karen and I are kind of tag teaming. And we want to talk about relationship within our church. Relationship. It's huge. It's important. It's biblical. It's godly. So uh, let's get right into it. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we have such joy being here right now. Lord, I thank you that we can come together and we can laugh and we can joke and we can worship and we can cry and we can scream and we can do whatever we want, Lord God, that we can be genuine. Lord, we can be genuine with you. And Lord, we can be genuine with each other, Lord. Lord, we do not walk in fear. Lord, your word tells us that your perfect love cast out all fear. So in the name of Jesus, we, we rebuke fear of being genuine. We rebuke fear of relationship. And we command it to be gone, not by our authority, but by the authority of Jesus Christ. Lord, we yield to you. Holy Spirit, take over. It's your service. Take over. This is your message. Take over. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome. Hello. All right, so we're going to jump right in the scripture, okay? All right, so 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. And I'm in like every translation tonight, so I apologize. I usually like to stick to one or two, but I think I have like four. So 1 John 1, 7 in the NIV says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That word fellowship in the Greek, koinon, koin, oh, I had it at home. Koinonia. koinonia. Thank you. Koinonia. Um, it actually sounds like it looks, which is pretty fun. Um, usually it doesn't sound like it looks, but anyways, fellowship. Okay, so we're going to break down. There's a bunch of um, kind of descriptions here that I'm going to go through. The first one is to share in common. So to fellowship with each other is to share in common. Okay, what do we have in common? Obviously here we have the fact that we are pursuing God, right? We have a lot of common grounds in our relationship with the Lord. It is association. So when we have fellowship with each other, we are associating. We are choosing. We don't have to come here, right? We are choosing to associate not just with God or with a pastor or one particular person at church, but we are choosing to associate with each other. Community. That's an easy one, right? I think a lot of churches these days even call themselves so-and-so community because that it should be like a family. Joint participation. If only this half of the room was like, yeah, we're going to fellowship, or we're going to have potlucks, or we're going to meet each other's needs, and I'm going to call you when you're hurting, and this half was like, forget you, I'm just coming to church, sit on the chair. We wouldn't really have joint participation, Right? So as we come into the body of Christ and you decide on a church body, you are deciding and making a joint effort to participate and to grab a hold of what that means, right? Of, of that fellowship there. Um, the next one is a gift jointly contributed. I love this definition because we all have gifts. And I think people tend to say this gift is better than the other, or I can only start. And we kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago with serving. I can only set up chairs, or I can only help with the babies, or I can only play the guitar. Like Mike at practice was like, I'm tired of the bass. And we're like, dude, you walk on the bass, but I play with the bass. I'm, not, I'm just picking on you, Mike. And we're like, you are awesome. We need you on the bass. And he's like, all right. 
But we all have gifts, and we all just think it's just the base, right? I can just do this thing. But when we all come together, that is our gifts. And when we all put them together, whew, that's the body. That's a family. That's community. Um, the next one is a collection. You look around the room, we're all very different. We all have different things to offer, just like any family would, right? A collection, a contribution. Again, that's an active word. Um, as exhibiting an embodiment and proof of fellowship. Now, we've been in church, and we've been in places. You show up, you go home, you show up, you go home, you show up, you go home, and you don't know anybody. And when you're hurting, you don't know who to call. We need a, need a babysitter. You're like, well, I guess we can't go out, or we can't you know, do all this, because you don't have that fellowship. The purpose of the body of Christ is to have fellowship, right? There's lots of purposes, but it is to have fellowship. If we all just show up, sing songs, and listen, and go home, it's just a meeting. It's not church. Jesus wanted us to have fellowship with each other, right? If it's just a meeting, I'm sorry, I'm not coming. You know, I want a lot more than a meeting. Christian fellowship is more than attending a church. It is assimilating into the body of believers, becoming one with other believers. All these words are connecting words. We're assimilating, we're joining, we're connecting, we're choosing to give our gifts, receive gifts, and to come together as a body, as a family. This is what Impact Rock is all about. And you will see kind of next week and in, in the in the, pre, in the weeks following, we will talk about connecting with outside of the church, and I'll talk about that a little bit today. But today we're talking about as an Impact Rock church body. We don't have a membership here. We've talked about it. It might happen at some point. But right now we're like, you want to be a part of the family? Come on! That's good enough for us. You know, let's just be a family. Let's meet each other's needs. Let's have a relationship. Let's genuinely care for each other. Right? It seems easy. How many people, if you want to raise your hand, how many people have been hurt by a church or by church people? Right? It happens. Why? We're human. Hello. We have all sorts of flaws and all sorts of things. We say things and do things that we don't mean to. So it would be easy to go, yeah, I'm just going to sit here and I like worship and the preaching's good. So I'm just going to kind of hang out and not connect because that's kind of an easy way to do it. It is not biblical. It is biblical to fellowship and to connect with each other. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, According to the scripture, fellowship is not an option for believers. Interesting, right? It's not an option. So this scripture, uh, 1 John 1, 7, says... If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So it tells us two things. It causes us to have fellowship with one another. And the second thing, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Woohoo! That's the awesome part. So it doesn't say, it says, well, it does say that fellowship is the evidence of walking in light, but it also says that loving each other, loving the brethren or loving your brothers and sisters in Christ is evidence of that walk. So let me break that down. If you are disconnected from the body, just in general, not necessarily this church, if you are disconnected from the body, that can last you maybe a little while. After a while, what's going to happen? You're going to be disconnected from the Lord to some degree. 
Because it says, if you walk in the light as he walks in the light, you have fellowship with one another. So that doesn't seem to sit right at first because you're like, no, I could just sit in my room and have a relationship with God all by myself. And you know what? That's great. You could. God's awesome. You could totally do that. But what better life is it to have fellowship with the body as God intended? Right? Jesus wasn't about just sitting in his room with God going, oh, God, we, I love you. You're so awesome. He was assimilating the body at all times. He was constantly loving the people, bringing them in. Come into the body. Come in. Let me, let me meet you. Let me introduce you to my father. Let me meet you. Let me meet you. Let me introduce you to my brothers and my sisters. He was constantly facilitating, assimilating believers, right? That's what we're supposed to do too. Yep. So there are these two scriptures. The next one is 1 John 2.10. It says, anyone who loves another brother or sister is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. So again, it talks about living in the light, living in the love of the Lord, living with him, walking with him, and walking with your brothers and sisters. They go hand and hand. Okay? They cannot be separated. Fellowship and loving each other. 1 John 4:20 through 21. If anyone boasts, I love God and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he's a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? Have you ever gone through a season where you're like, I'm done with people. I'm done. I'm done. They've hurt me. They've betrayed me. They blah, 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 blah. And you just decide, it's just me and God, and I'm good with that because he's all right. I'm all right. It's going to be just fine, right? Does it ever stay there or do you end up miserable? Because God created us to need each other. That's right. He's amazing. He's sufficient. He's awesome. But there is a need inside of us to be connected to other believers. We sharpen each other. We encourage each other. We love on each other. We need each other, right? If Mark and my and the kids all just lived in the same house and never assimilated or connected. We would just be roommates, and we wouldn't, I wouldn't know when he was hurting. You know, all of those things. We have to be family, and family's there for each other, right? Can I? Okay. Anyone seen um, Young Frankenstein? Mel Brooks, Young Frankenstein? Okay. So uh, Igor is looking for, uh, for a brain, and so he goes, and he, he finds a brain, and, and uh, he brings it back to Dr. Frankenstein, and he says... You know, after he put it in the monster, and the monster went horribly bad. Uh, I said, what was the name on that? And he said, Abby something. And he goes, Abby something? A- Abby who? Abby normal. He goes, Abby normal. Abnormal. You brought me an abnormal brain. You guys, when we were disconnected from the body, we're abnormal. We're, we're disconnected. We're, we're not part of the body. We're just an abnormal object. We are supposed to be connected with each other. We are supposed to be. I don't care what that part of the body is. Mm-hmm. We are supposed to be connected. It's abnormal in God's plan when we are not brought together. Can we, Holy Spirit, come back for me making the, the Mel Brooks reference? Does Holy Spirit come on back and and okay, he's back, so we're good. So I just I thought of that. He doesn't scare that easy. Um, so the two are connected. This command, I love. 
I love the Message Bible, but the way this says this, if, it, if you boast and say, oh, I love God, and you're all about that, but you don't love your brother and sister, it says you're a liar. That's hard, guys. I don't want to be a liar. Now, there are times that you might rub me the wrong way, and I might rub you the wrong way, and we might be like, oh, I'm going to pray for her more. She's so whatever. That's okay. I'm okay with that. But we are family, right? What family member in your family hasn't rubbed you the wrong way and you wanted to knock them out at some point. It's okay. The point is you love each other and you push each other and you encourage and sharpen and inspire each other, right? That's the same thing here. We have just chosen. We get to choose this family, right? We get to choose to come be a part of this family. Um, so I have a couple quotes here and I, I didn't write the pastor's name down. He's out of Texas, but these are a couple of his things that he said that I liked. He said, fellowship with the body is an exercise of love bringing us toward spiritual maturity. So the first quote he said, your relationship with the body equals the barometer that measures your spiritual temperature. So think about that for a second. Your relationship with the body is the barometer that measures your spiritual temperature. That is not the only gauge but if you're disconnected from the body, I kind of think of it like you're kind of sick. And it might start off as just a little cold. It's not really a big deal. And before you know it, you're just sick. You know what I mean? It kind of gets in your body and you just start not functioning well. You don't feel well. Why? Because the body is supposed to be one of the ways that God brings you life. It's supposed to be one of those things that God speaks into you. He might give you a prophetic word. He might give you a hug. He might give you prayer. He might give you encouragement. And if we're functioning correctly, somebody's going to call you when you're not here. Somebody's going to hug you when they see you across the room and the Lord goes, she's not doing well. And you're going to walk your little tissue over there and give them a hug and say, hey, do you need something? That's family. We should be, we are, and I've experienced that a million times at this church, but we should be doing those things because that is the way God uses us to be family to each other, right? Okay, the next one he said, your degree of love towards the brethren, which I think that sounds so new King, or King James, towards brothers and sisters in Christ, equals the gauge that shows your love for God. So your degree of love towards each other is the gauge that shows your love for God. This is what we felt like the Lord spoke to us from day one. Love God, love people. It's that easy. Love God, love people. Love all people. Don't pick. Don't choose. Don't pick the lovable ones. Don't pick the easy ones. Don't pick the ones that, you know, are coming and faithful and working their butt off. Love everybody. Love everybody out there. Love everybody in here. Love them, period. People. And that is kind of what this is saying. To the degree that you love each other is to the degree that you're showing your love for God. And remember, I think when we talked about serving and giving the last couple of weeks, we read some scriptures about that, that when you love God, you say you love God and you don't love everybody else. You know, it's like the scripture too. First uh, John 4.12 says, My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God ever. But if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us and his love becomes complete in us. Perfect love. That reminds me of the movie that says, You complete me. Who's the, what movie was that? Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. And that was their little love thing, you know. You complete me. Well, this is the same thing. 
God dwells in us. We can't see God. We can't tangibly touch God with our fingers. We can't hug him right this second. But together, we can be God to each other. We can be that hand. We can be that love. We can be that encouragement. We can be the extension of God to each other. It's not an awesome calling. That's an awesome thing. Fellowship with the body of Christ is where love is tested and proven. Let me say that again. Fellowship with the body of Christ is where love is tested and proven. That's right. If your heart is kind of hardened, I've had seasons where my heart was hard or dark, and I knew it, and I didn't know how to get out of it, and I was kind of okay with it even for a little while, until God starts getting a hold of you, and you're like, oh, that doesn't feel very good. I want to be back where I'm in relationship with people. I want to be back where I'm encouraging. And we shouldn't come to church waiting for everybody to minister to us. It will happen. We should be at church going, who can I touch today? Who needs a touch from the Lord? Who can I give a prophetic word to? Who can I give a hug? Who? What little kid needs me to turn him upside down and tickle him to tears and tell him that Jesus loves them? That Every one of us, that's not Mark and I's job. That's not the leader's job. That is all of our job as the body of Christ to come in and go, how do you want to use me today, Lord? Who can I touch? Who can I minister to? And listening to the Lord, being sensitive. Why? Because that's fellowship. And like, like that scripture said, we can't see God. We are at the extension of God here on earth. That's just, that's an amazing opportunity. Fellowship with the body of Christ is the opportunity to learn how we love, how to love one another. So, we are going to rub each other the wrong way. We are going to say mean things to each other. And we're going to get in a car and we're going to go, I can't believe she just said that to me. That was so mean. That was so rude. Or whatever. It happens, right? It happens to me. And then I have to go, oh, God, I'm sorry. I was the one who was rude. Um, that's family, right? And we work it out. And Mark's going to talk a little bit about that in just a second. God's great classroom. Okay, so fellowship of the body of Christ is God's great classroom of the development of Christian character. So this is where we get to work out our character. Woo! Are you excited to come back next week? (laughs) This is where we get to try that stuff out and become people of integrity, people of love, people of character. We get to work it out here because we have grace for each other. We have love for each other. So when one of us blows it, our response should be, it's all right, bud. No worries. Let me pray for you. Are you having a hard time? Maybe somebody went off on you because they're struggling and they just, you know, it's all they could do to just be like, whatever. And instead of going, well, whatever back. And pay evil for evil like it talks about in Roman, how, Romans. How about we extend God's grace and his love and say, you know what? You don't seem like yourself today. Can I help you? Yeah. That's... That's what we're about. That's the body of Christ. Um, This is a place for us to test out our gifts, our spiritual fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right? (laughs) This is a good place to work all that out. My last scripture is Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. It says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. This is what it's about, guys. 
We come together, worship is good, the message is good, but seeing each other, fellowshipping together, being one in the body of Christ, to me that's what it's all about. It's about fellowshipping and networking and connecting with each other. Amen? Amen. Here's your stool. Just to be perfectly clear, we're not preaching about church. We're preaching about Jesus. Okay, if we don't love people, we're full of it. Okay, if we don't love people, we are full of it. And, and I'm not talking about love, joy, peace, you know. I'm talking about we're liars. Genuine love for his church. Genuine. Means it's not just words. It's not just said. It's got to be reflected in our actions. You say you accept me. You say you accept my junk. My mess. And the first time we see the mess, we go, Oh, I can't believe they did that. Oh yeah, we're really genuine. That's great authenticity. No. We're going to mess up. And we're going to love each other. That's relationship. Romans 12, 10-18 says this. Love each other with genuine affection. Stop. Love each other with genuine affection. This is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. It's not no sharing our opinions. This is what Jesus says. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. We serve the Lord enthusiastically by doing what He just said, loving each other with a genuine affection. Be glad for all God is planning for you. Be patient in trouble and always be prayerful. When God's children are in need, be the one to help them out and get into the habit of inviting guests home for dinner or if they need lodging for the night. This is the Word of God. This is what we're supposed to do. If people persecute you because you're a Christian, don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. When others are happy, be happy with them. If they are sad, share their sorrow. Live in harmony with each other. Don't try to act important, but enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Hello. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do your part to live in peace with one or two people. Max. No. It says do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. I read this passage, and the first thing I thought is, what a wonderful chapter. How come I've never read this before? Actually, I love Romans 12. I will preach out of Romans 12 about every third week if I could. It's on our banner. That passage was given to our church. You want to know about Impact Rock Church? Go memorize Romans 12 or just read it a bunch. This passage is all about relationship. It is all about relationship. You know, something cool was happening last night. I was reading this passage, and I was kind of flipping to a couple other passages. I had a bunch of scriptures, and 
And I flip open, I'm flipping open to Hebrews 13, which I'm not going to share. Um, and I'm getting to it. And the Bible just falls open to 1 Peter 3. And so I immediately, you know, go to turn it. And I was like, no, that was me. And so I'm like, okay, <laughs> I promise you. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. God flipped the Bible open. And I, went, I immediately turned to Hebrews 13. And God goes, really? Really? You're going to read Hebrews 13 anyway? I just flipped it open the first. So I stopped. I laughed. I'm like, all right. So I flip it back open to 1 Peter 3. And then I laughed. I'm like, all right, Lord. I'm not even, I'm not even going to preach anything from Hebrews. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 12 says, says this. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when insults with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And He will bless you for it. For the Scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. Church, if we don't embrace each other and love each other in a genuine affection, it it is really easy to become hardened to become bitter and to become unforgiving. The Word says, if we do not forgive others their sin, we will not be forgiven our sin. And this passage echoes that. You want your prayers to be heard? (laughs) Then love each other. Forgive each other. Bless each other. These two passages, they're all about relationship. They're teaching us how to deal with people in the church. These passages are teaching us how to deal with people in the church. It's not talking about that annoying guy at the office that, you know, is really gassy and always takes the last, you know, sticky pad pack from the, you know, company supply. No, we're talking about, you know, unless that guy goes to church here, then yes, it is talking about him. Because, you know, it's all about the church. Interacting with the church. Loving the church. Being genuine with each other. We can't fake this. We can't fake this. That's garbage. We can't pay this lip service. That is garbage. Christine has a blog uh, that I've been reading. And, and, you know, in it she kind of makes herself vulnerable. She talks about... um, you know, being able to cry, being able to be vulnerable. Church, we should be able to be vulnerable with each other. We should be able to cry and be real with each other. And we shouldn't worry about being judged because we're not the judge. And we shouldn't worry about being rejected because we embrace each other and we love each other. There's times we even tolerate each other. Let's be honest. There's times we tolerate each other. Praise God for tolerating each other. Praise God for all the people that tolerated my butt. When I was annoying and was a know-it-all and did everything. 
I'm talking about like a long time ago before Kara ever met me. <laughs> Search for peace and work to maintain it. Don't retaliate in, you know, with insults when someone hurts you. Jesus is teaching us how to, to have relationship. Why? Because he wants us to be in relationship. Right? Why else would he teach something? We're not supposed to be an island. We're not. We are supposed to need each other. We're a body. Last week I, I threw it out there and said, hey, and I had a pair of scissors. Hey, bring, bring me your, just your most irrelevant body part. Who's willing to sacrifice their most irrelevant, unneeded body part? We're just going to cut it off. I went so far as to say, well, you know what? Your hair. Your hair's going to grow back. Just Who wants to volunteer their hair? I'm just going to give it a little snip job. Once again, no takers. Why? Because even the hair that grows back, it's important. Guys, we're important to each other. There's no insignificant part of God's body. We're supposed to laugh together. We're supposed to cry together. We're supposed to celebrate together. We're supposed to practice the gifts when we argue together. We're supposed to demonstrate love and grace when we disagree with each other. We're supposed to forgive and embrace and pray together when we hurt each other. They say some big happy thing where we're all perfect and, and these things are never going to happen. They're going to happen. So what happens when they do? What happens when, when that takes place? Matthew 18, Jesus provides an answer for us. How awesome is this? Matthew 18, 15 through 17. I'm going to read it in two different translations, and they're both powerful. Church, let's hear the words, and let's hear the way that, that these are translated. Matthew 18, from the Message Bible. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the, t- the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch, confront him with the need for repentance, and offer again God's forgiving love. Let's read that in the New Living Translation, and it'll sound more familiar to us in this way. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, You have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. If he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or corrupt tax collector. That's the one we're familiar with, right? That's the one we probably have heard most likely, right? Question. Who's speaking in this passage? Whose, whose words are these? Jesus. Jesus. These, are, these are the red letters. These are Jesus. This is Jesus speaking, okay? Another question. How did Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors? How did Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors? And it's not the way most of us have been raised. Because most of us heard this passage and we're like... If they don't accept it, 
Screw! They're gone! Treat them like pagans and tax collectors! How did Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors? I'm getting fired up, baby. Come on! Oh! We've all been hurt. We've all been hurt by people at church. And Jesus gave us a formula for overcoming that hurt. Now, I will tell you this first. Before you come to somebody when they've been hurt, when you've been hurt, go to God first. Don't go to them first. Go to Jesus first. And say, Lord, uh, I give this to you, Lord God, and, and I pray for that person and I bless them. And Lord, I just pray your grace over them. And Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak with them. And I just pray that your spirit would be there in our presence, Lord. And that you would be in control. And Lord, I yield my right to have my way. Because I want you to have your way. And Lord, I just I bless this person. And, and just be with me as I go to that person. We do that first. We do that first before we go to them. We get alone with our Lord and our Savior. And we yield to him. And then... If that's a, and so many times in my experience, so many times after I've done that, I'm like, I don't got to go to that person anymore because I forgive them and I love them. And I'm just going to go love them some more. And it's, it's not, I, I'm just, but there are times when I'm like, no, this is important. And it could serve as a barrier between that brother and I or that sister and I. So I'm going to go to them and we follow this. How did Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors? He made him jump out of a tree. He made him jump out of a tree. <laughs> Talk about Zacchaeus, the wee little man. Zacchaeus. He had the heart of a mentor toward a certain tax collector. We see that. He embraced a certain tax collector and made him one of his disciples. We see that. We see Jesus having the heart of a mentor. We see Jesus associating with and affiliating with and fellowshipping with them. Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew. Tax collector. I feel kind of silly that I've read that wrong all these years and I've believed that wrong all these years. And I've thought that gives me license to be a jerk. (laughs) You know, it doesn't give us license to be a jerk. It gives us license to hit our knees and pray for him. And now to go back with the genuine love of God and say, I got to start from the beginning with love for them. It doesn't give us license to write them off or to do some Old Testament ungodly, shake the dust off and shoot them the godly birds. I'm going to shoot them the Christian bird. Because they, you know, we, we do these things where we justify stuff. You, but don't pretend like you don't know what I'm talking about. When you, you know, we, we, we make these religious things like, now I can be a jerk to them because they, no. Okay, y'all have to accept me and love me and embrace me and have grace for me. I'm just being honest. I hate religion. I hate that junk. We are humans. Flawed, we're selfish, you know, we're prideful, but we're wonderful because we're created in the image of a loving God. And He wants us to be in relationship with each other. When we get hurt, we don't, 
run and hide. We don't run and gossip. We don't put ourselves on an island. When we get hurt, we follow the simple, beautiful outline of Jesus' plan. That's his plan. Mm -hmm. He laid it out for us. He said, you're going to get hurt. Here's what you do. He gave us the plan. Church, we're going to be hurt. You know what? I, I hate the thought of thinking that, you know, that I'm going to hurt you, but I'm, I'm going to. There's going to come a point where we have a misunderstanding or maybe I'm just being a jerk that day. I don't know. You know, I mean, who knows? I, I hate the thought of it, but I'm not above reproach. If that happens, you can come to me and go, hey, um, man, you kind of you hurt me. And, you know, I just, can I, can I share it with you? Absolutely, you can share it with me. Let's talk. And my response is going to be, I'm sorry. My response is going to be, <laughs> I love you. Mm-hmm. And church, that should be our response. Hey, I, I'm sorry. Um, we're to love each other. We're to be genuine in our affection for each other. Like everything else we do, we follow his lead. We follow Jesus. We follow Him. We set our eyes on Jesus Christ. And we live with the abundance of His love that can flow through us. That goes beyond what this little vessel is capable of. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You for Your plan. Thank you for your plan. Your ways are perfect. And we agree with you. We agree with you. We believe you and we trust you. So we look to you and we we buy into your way of doing things. Uh, Lord, we as individuals and as your church, we repent of the times, Lord, that we have not followed this example. Lord, we repent of the times that we have not followed this example and that we've gotten offended and hurt and bitter and unforgiving. And, and Lord, we repent of that. Lord, we repent of that. Church, let's, let's repent of that. And Father, we thank you for the life that we have through Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we thank you for leading us into the truth of a loving, awesome, powerful Savior. Lord, let the relationships in this place run deep. Lord, let them run deep, not superficial. Lord, let them run deep, Lord God. Let us truly be hospitable, Lord, toward each other. Lord, let's... Let us constantly be dining together and playing together and praying together and making ourselves available to one another. Available for deep relationship, Lord. Lord, as offenses come and as hurts come and as disagreements come and as fights and arguments come, we say right now, as an act of our will, we yield to you, Lord. And we want you to have your way. We don't want to be right in the argument. Lord, we want you to be right. So what do you have to say? Because we're listening to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless each person that's here, Lord God, and bless the relationships. 
that, that are developing, that have developed in, in the, Lord, the relationships that you have ordained and purposed for each one of us. We embrace them in Jesus' name. Amen.